that is the richness of life. And if you, we can give this to our children through our own lived experience, like this is, this is everything for me. This is Dramatic Travels. Yeah-ho out there in podcast land, Aaron Schlein here, and you have landed on episode number 25 of Dramatic Travels Family. Dramatic Travels Family is here to inspire you to travel the world with your kids and offer you the resources and support to make your family travel dreams take flight. I've got an unbelievable guest lined up for you today. Her name is Anna Rova, and my chat with Anna is coming up in just 35 seconds right after this word from our nonprofit partner, Flight. Flight is a nonprofit organization that empowers students in underserved communities through transformative travel experiences. I believe in flight because I believe that every student deserves a chance to expand his or her global education, regardless of where they come from or how much money they have. I encourage you to visit DramaticTravels.com slash flight. There you'll find links to join the flight community and donate to this fantastic organization. That address again is DramaticTravels.com slash flight. Light. So off we go with today's guest. She is joining us all the way from Spain. Her name is Anna Rova. Welcome to the show, Anna. Are you ready to share your dramatic travels? Hi, Erin. Yes, I am. Let's go. Excellent. <laughs> Anna is a writer, a podcaster, a yoga instructor, and a location independent entrepreneur. Together with her husband, Anna has traveled the world full-time, writing her blog, recording her podcast, practicing yoga, and spreading love and positivity. Anna is the founder of Girl Skill, an online media platform, publication, and podcast empowering women to live a life of freedom, joy, and creativity. And you can find her over at girlskill.com. Anna, you have a terrific bio, but there is one very important piece of information missing, and I left it out on purpose so you could have the honor. You have an exciting change coming in your life. Tell us about it. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. I just didn't have the time to update my bio <laughs> with this exciting event. So as you mentioned, yes, I'm expecting my first child, and I'm now um, almost 16 weeks pregnant. So that would be about four months. And it is a location-dependent digital nomad baby uh, because my husband, I met him on the road while traveling. So that's that's exciting news. <laughs> Yeah. So tell us that story. You know, when I first started this podcast, I like to ask people about romance stories, if they had any romance stories from the road. And I kind of stopped asking that question because more times than not, people didn't, which surprised me. But you do have a travel romance story, Anna. So let's start there. Tell me how you met your husband and how that led to, uh, to, to your life today. Well, let me tell you a secret. I have many romance travel stories, but we're going to leave that out because before my husband, I just didn't know anyone or didn't meet anyone. He was the one. And so I'm going to tell you that story. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it was really interesting. It was like I was, so I just landed in Medellin, Colombia. Um, and my dream was always to travel to Latin America and I ne I've never been. And this was about, this was in January, 2016. So about two, two and a half years ago. And so I land and like, I was having the time of my life, you know, I had the best job in the world. I was traveling. I was making as much money as I wanted. 
And I was actually on the top of the world in terms of how I was feeling as a woman. I finally let go of my emotional dependency on men and all that bullshit. And I was just riding the wave. I was so excited. And uh, I went, I think the second week, uh, there was a digital nomad meetup. So another name for location-dependent entrepreneurs is like digital nomads. But we can talk about the difference if you're interested. Um, And so I go to this nomad meetup and I'm like, oh, like you know, excited about life. I was wearing a red short dress, I remember, and I show up and there's like five guys there as usual. <laughs> I don't, well, Colombia, Medellin especially is known for, uh, it's very popular, especially among men. And uh, we can talk about why later. And then, yeah, so I just went to a meetup and my husband was there and I didn't pay much attention to him besides um, the fact that he was Australian, had a really awesome accent and was cracking jokes that I loved. Um, But that's how we met, you know, and our our love story is really weird because he had a very slow game. Uh, He had no game, in fact. And uh, when I tell this story to people, they're laughing their asses off because like, I don't know, (laughs) I like. You will laugh a lot because I was like, if there was like one wrong turn, we would never have been together, you know? And uh, yeah, it was just really funny. Um, Yeah, but then one thing led to another and we started traveling together and I fell in love with him and then, and yeah, and then here we are. Um, So after Colombia, he um, invited me, he was going to Playa del Carmen, Mexico. He was working online as well and everything. And he invited me to come, to come with him and live together. And I was like, hell Yeah. He had a rooftop apartment book with a pool on the top. And I was like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and then here we are. And so nine months l- later, he proposed. And a year after that, we were married. And then six months after, I got pregnant. And we're still traveling. And uh, I guess fortunately or unfortunately, our plan is to settle a little bit in Australia for me to give birth there and then wait until the baby can walk. Uh, but I think we're going to start traveling again because I don't think we'll we'll be in one place for long. Well, you have a, a true adventurous spirit there, Anna. Why why Australia to to have the baby? Well, because he he's Australian, and uh, you know it's a great country. Uh, to, to to I I loved it. To be honest with you, from all the countries I traveled, I felt best in Australia. Um, for many different reasons. I always loved Aussies. The There's a freedom vibe in there and in the people and in nature. And I mean, it's so exotic and I, I don't know. I I just love it so much. And besides, we're, we're applying for my permanent residency there as well. So that I, I guess in the long future uh, or distant future, we can actually live there, but uh, we'll see. And you know, their system, their like birthing system and medical system and everything is great for that. And for me, this was the best place. You know, he has all his family there. I don't have much family where I come from. And so this was really the best option for me and for him. (laughs) Well, speaking of where you come from, we've gone several minutes into this interview without explaining that accent. Anna, where are you from? So I'm, I'm from a country called Moldova which uh, so many people have never heard of, don't know where it is. It's absolutely fine. Um, you know, there's there's not much to know about it. <laughs> it's a tiny country in Eastern Europe between Romania and Ukraine. And uh, it's considered one of the poorest countries in Europe, actually. And I am from the capital, Chisinau. But I'm very proud to be from there. And while a lot of people actually hide this fact, I actually, you know, carry it as a badge of honor. Because if I could do 
what I'm doing today coming from where I come from. Plus add to that, you know, some dramatic teenage stories and all of that. And then anybody can do it really. So being, so being that Moldova is such a poor country, as you described, let's just get on. Like, what was special about you? Why did, how did you get out? How did you elevate yourself and become the inspiring person you are today? Well, <laughs> So to give you an example, so the average salary currently in Moldova, I think, is between like um, $400 and $500 a month. Uh, people are struggling to this day. and There are many reasons to that. And, um, you know, my first and biggest transformation, I you might not know this, Erin, because it's not in my bio, but when I was 17, I won a competition called uh, Future Leaders Exchange Program, which is sponsored by the um, United States government, and it's run in all of the post-Soviet republics. Basically, every year from my country, about 40 kids are selected. There were, there's like a vigorous process. And those of us who win the competition go to the United States for a year to live in a host family, be an exchange student. And uh, so that's what I did. And in 2006, I went to Virginia and I lived in Madison and went to Madison High School. I was a senior there. And uh, that in itself, I mean, that year transformed my life completely. And uh, that in itself was uh, like a mind-blowing experience. Um, and I think this event actually opened my mind to so many different perspectives and ways and everything. Um, so just just to do that is like amazing where, where I come from. But then looking at my life now and where I come from. And so besides the fact that I come from a poor country, um, I also have uh, quite a dramatic family story where my mother passed away when I was very young. I was eight. Um, and you can imagine for a little girl, um, you know, my sister was a bit older, but, you know, we were left with a father. He was quite emotionally unavailable, distant and uh, very strict, conservative. And Moldova is a post-communist republic and he was an active communist as well. And so, you know, we grew up with a very strong figured father and it was, it was tough. Um, and, but you know, he did the best he could and everything. So we're, we're good now. And, uh, but when I was 14, he married a woman, um, that became my stepmother. And this was a classical Cinderella story where she turned out to be the evil stepmother and everything. And so my teenage years were so damn troubled, like, you know, smoking cigarettes, drinking, uh, you know, suicidal attempts and thoughts and nowhere to sleep. You know, I packed my shit and I left the house when I was 18 because I couldn't stand it anymore. And anyways, one thing <laughs> to another, and you know, they were saying like, you know, either I'm going to end up in jail or, or become a millionaire or something. Um, and so, yeah, and then from there, I went to college to Bulgaria. I went to an American school. And after that, I found a job in Malaysia. And so, so that was about um, three and a half years ago, well, when I left that job. But basically, you know, the life that I live now, coming from where I am, is like crazy. At some point, I was making so much money that I didn't know what to do with. Like where I come from, this is like if I went back, because I worked online, I could. <laughs> Having all this money, I would just live like a queen, you know? It was, it was just like so it was just crazy, you know, and when people hear that I am from Moldova, they're like, what, like what, you know, it, it's just, it's just bizarre having, you know, coming from the background I, I have 
but also my family story. It's 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 incredible. You know, complete turnaround, I'd say. <laughs> complete turnaround, no doubt. Well, let's let's back up a little bit. Let's go back to to your childhood, to um, well, specifically to your travels, of course, because this is dramatic travels. But just talking about growing up a small child in Moldova, what part, if any, travel played in your childhood? You know, that's that's a really good question because it leads into what I the, the story I was telling you today. Travel was not something people do in Moldova, you know. So in 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 most of the post-Soviet Republic, now it's a lot better, right? But the situation is not great. Like most most people from where I come from, they go on vacation perhaps one once a year. Actually, this is everywhere, right? Like now I'm thinking like normal people go on vacation like once a year, right? <laughs> We're working to change that, Anna. Yeah, 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 I know. But like, but but it was not like, how should I explain it? The difference I think is like when you live in the US, you're like, okay, where should we go? Should we go to Florida? Or maybe we can go to one of the Latin American countries or something like that. And in Moldova, it's not like this. Like you go to the sea once a year for maybe about a week and you go to the Black Sea. You know, I was growing up and I was going to either Ukraine or Romania. Best case scenario was like Bulgaria. Bulgaria for me, like I remember there was one story with my mother, I went and I was very little below eight. Um, and it was just transformational. I was like, Oh my God. And Bulgaria is like, an I don't know, like a, like a 10, 12 hour bus ride from where I am, you know? And that was it. You know, I've never been anywhere before that. Um, it, when I was a child, <laughs> so it's literally like the, just seeing the sea pretty much the black sea. I've never seen an ocean. I've never been on a damn Island before I was like 22, <laughs> You know, it's just hilarious. And so that was my experience. Like people don't travel, first of all, because they don't have the money, you know, for someone from Moldova to go even to Europe, like Germany or any of these countries, it's it's expensive. Now it's becoming much better. You know, flights are getting cheaper. 20 years ago, you know, it wasn't it wasn't available. Now it's like low cost flights and everything, Airbnbs, blah, blah. But, but back then, it was like, no, you, you just don't go. And if somebody goes, you're like, they, they must be so damn rich. It's crazy. So that was my travel experience as a child. <laughs> well, tell me about, so you, you mentioned the transformational experience. Tell me more about that. I'm very in, interested in transformational experiences and specifically the emotions. What was going through your mind? What were you feeling at the time of that transformation? You know, I I could tell you more about my transformation when I started traveling by myself because the cultural shock I experienced was was um, was intense, was transformational, as I said. But as a child, you know, going to Romania, going to Bulgaria and Ukraine, it was pretty much same cultures, just different languages. Yeah. So actually, no, Romania and Ukraine was same language because I speak Russian and Romanian. Bulgaria was like different language. You know, it was like it was it was just different. Um, and I remember being inspired and amazed, but it was such a long time ago, you know, I think the main motivation there was not culture experience, not any sort of different views on life. It was just seeing the sea because I come from the country that there were no mountains and no beach. So that's what we did. We just went to the beach once a year and seeing the beach and seeing the ocean is like the ultimate dream. So that's how I would describe, you know, my early years when I was traveling. 
like we could talk about more transformation later on the years uh, if you want, but I think that's coming later. Not sure. <laughs> well, Dramatic Travels family, there is a great takeaway from Anna's story there. Just that transformation that she experienced getting outside of her comfort zone, outside of her her community, outside of her hometown in Moldova and seeing that see for the first time, just something that was just so foreign and just so incredible to her young mind. And that having giving your own children that sort of transformation, you never know where it's going to lead just to be able to have that, give them that moment where their mind just pops wide open to the possibilities that exist in this world. It happened for me when I was 12, when I went to to London and it's happened Mm -hmm. for Anna when she was a child going to Bulgaria. What's what transformational experience, my friends, are you going to give your children? What are you going to show them that's going to blow their mind and change their lives forever? Think about it. So Anna, over the course of your travels, can you, did you, have you come across a scary or a tense moment, something that uh, just really made a lasting impression on you that we can learn from? Now that I think of it, I, I have always traveled around the world with an intense wonder and curiosity. And when I started traveling, I shifted a lot of my limiting beliefs about the world. And in fact, that's why I traveled. And that's why, as you said, Aaron, I think it's so important to travel with kids and to show them that the world is not this big, scary place where everybody's going to get you. Well, at least this was my experience. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't trust people. I didn't trust the cultures because of all the stereotypes I had in my head. And so it's really interesting because in the last, so I started traveling full time about three and a half years ago. And all of the countries I've been, it nothing has ever happened that was like, oh, my God, this is scary. I mean, there were moments uncomfortable. But actually, a couple of weeks ago, I went to Morocco and perhaps, you know, perhaps it was because I, got, I am pregnant now and I'm much more sensitive to everything, but I was literally shocked um, by the culture. And we were, so on our first day, and you know, to tell you the scary moment, on our first day, we were walking on the streets and, you know, my husband had a map and Google Maps, whatever, we were trying to find, find our way around and as usual, when we go somewhere, we get lost. You know, we, we don't do much research. Let's go here. Let's go there. And there are all these guys that are kind of a bit shady and, and trying to show us directions. And uh, I was like, no, 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 no. You know, my, my Moldovan survival ex-commie instinct popped in. And I like I literally I could feel the shadiness in the whole thing. But my husband is not as untrust, untrustful, I guess, with people. Um so when kind of a decent guy showed up and said, oh, yeah, 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 it's this way, follow me, I, we started following him. And so we followed him, and yeah, it was a bit weird. And then my husband was telling me, well, you know, he, he's, he's just going the same direction, which I already knew, like, that's not happening. And so one thing led to another. He started, you know, leading us into uh, narrower and narrower paths, darker and darker corridors in the Medina, which is the old city of Marrakesh. And at some point, my husband realizes that he's leading us the wrong way. But it was already kind of too late because we turned into this like really narrow thing. And he was leading us in like even deeper. And so when my husband kind of said, no, 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 we're going the the, 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 the different direction. We're just turning around. Oh, good. Suddenly, another two guys appeared and started like, well, started asking him for money. And he's like, no, 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 you know, you just showed us direction. I told you I don't, I don't have any money. Da, da, da. And then they started pushing him around. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> and imagine I'm pregnant. And I'm like standing there. There were no people around. And I was like, that's it. What am I going to? So it was complete panic for me. I got so scared. And normally, you know, I'm very reserved and not reserved, but I mean, I, I have this ability to gather myself and be like, okay, what's happening? But I didn't want to get in there. I mean, there were four men and started pushing him around. And so that was just terrible. You know, I've never had this before. And, and uh, it was just so bad. And and yeah, but he, he got away really easy. He just gave them like a couple of coins. I think in total it was like four years. I mean, it was clear they just wanted money. But it was so unpleasant, you know. And my whole Morocco experience was just terrible, to be honest, the whole week. I know people have amazing experiences. I had a really bad experience. So that's my story. <laughs> yeah, well... My goodness, that is that is beyond scary. I can you told that story very well. I can imagine what was going on in your head. That that was exactly the type of story that I'm looking for because you you alluded earlier on about how all, through all your travels how you know all these scary things you thought might happen and you know limiting beliefs you had about the world that everyone's out to get you. And the truth is that not everyone is out to get you. In fact, very very few people are out to get you. And then when you had this particular encounter in Morocco, kind of your worst fears came true, but yet you came out on the other side and you live to tell the tale. So just if there's someone out there listening today who has this particular fear of, in this case, violent crime, I guess, robbery, what what would you tell them based on your experience? What advice would you give them? Well, it's like... You know, I we lived in we lived in many different places in Colombia and Brazil and Rio. When we arrived in Rio, um, you know, people told us that, like, basically the locals can pull out a gun on you, and all you do is just you step back and give them everything you have. That's all you can do. So the worst case scenario, this will happen. So the advice that has been given to me, and that I can give anyone, is that if anything ever happens, you get threatened, you get whatever happens, you just let it go because there's no point in fighting, running, like you can just be shot, you know, and then that's it. And so, but that has never happened to me in that, in that sense. And then it's, it's also being, it's also being smart about your travels, street smart. Um, it's also, you know, I have a, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of spiritual and I also believe in like the law of attraction and everything. And so the, the predator always knows the victim, and it identifies the victim in the crowds because, you know, it's very interesting. There are people who always get in this like stories of robbery and like, I don't know what, and there's people who don't. And I believe there is a reason for it. It's not like all chaotic and random, you know, it's your state of mind. It's how you position yourself, how you walk on the street and what you expect. You know, I think I expected a lot of shit to happen to go down in Morocco and perhaps I attracted this. I don't know. But that's what I'm saying. It's your state of mind. It's what you believe in. If you believe people are out there to get you, you will suspect everyone. Uh, and there's certain countries that are a bit more shadier, I think. Um, and it's the way you carry yourself. Do you know what I mean? It's in your eyes. It's in your posture. And if you feel shy or scared or whatever, they're going to get you because they're going to recognize you from the crowd. But it's also being okay with, you know, it's just like with any any kind of unknown adventure. Uh, anything can happen while you travel, right? But the thing is that you got to overcome that because the advantage and the payoff of, of travel and seeing the world is much greater than one small thing that can happen. You know, while traveling, a lot of things can go down and then that's okay. You learn. You just learn. It's a learning experience. And that's what I learned in Morocco. 
You know, it's like don't follow a guy in, in Morocco who shows you direction. That's, that's it. Be suspicious. That's what I learned. And that's all you can do, I think. Well, you learned the lesson and now you're taking the time to turn around and share it, which I, I certainly commend you for that. And your point about the law of attraction resonates with me because I think we all, most all of us have that one friend who, for whatever reason, trouble just always seems to find them. And maybe that person happens to be you. But yeah, that that law of attraction and that just that mindset of thinking that the worst is going to happen versus remaining optimistic and mean maybe more like like your husband, more trusting. I, I think that was an interesting dynamic the way you described that because it's I, I think it's fairly similar to my my wife and me. She's more the suspicious one, and I'm I can be I can be more the happy go lucky one. But maybe that's what makes uh, my wife and me and your husband and you a great <laughs> pair, especially for traveling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I just want to add, Aaron, that all of these things can happen to you locally. You know what I mean? You don't need to, 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 to get on a plane or a bus for, for to be scared of someone, you know, robbing you or whatever. It can happen in your town and in your city. So it's not about the travel per se, right? It's about some something else. So that's I think that's an interesting point. <laughs> yeah, and I think at least in my experience, Americans are particularly susceptible to this this idea that we're there's no safer place on earth than here in the United States of America. And the statistics don't even come close to backing that up. There's far more, there's far safer places in every corner of the globe than there are uh, here in the United States. But for some reason, especially people who've never left the States and they have that fear, kind of fear of the unknown might feel that they're safer here at home when that's, you know, the statistics just don't lie. And that's, that's just, that's just the way it goes on them. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So real quick, we're talking about travel resources. So in terms of safety, and is there a resource you can recommend because you're traveling all the time and you're probably researching your next destination? Is there a resource you can recommend just to look into safety concerns on for an upcoming destination? Oh, you know... All of that stuff is online. Um, you know, there's I know there's like Lonely Planet and things like that. So as, as I mentioned before, it's it's about being smart with your travels. Um, I normally, um, and, but that's just me, I normally don't research places where I go. Not much. I did a bit of research on Morocco and they said, you know, be careful, blah, blah, all of that. But I normally don't. I just go because I've been to so many new countries every time. And every time I land, I'm so excited and curious about what's going to happen. You know, what am I going to see? Who am I going to meet? Where am I going to eat? You know, what am I going to smell? And so for me, it's it, like I don't focus on safety. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not my first priority because I know I've been to so many new places Um so many times that I have a deep belief in me and I'm absolutely sure that more times than not, I will be okay. And I also, well, okay, I'll give you an example actually in Colombia, right? So when you go to countries that are a bit more, actually in any country, you know, there's dodgy neighborhoods and there's no dodgy neighborhoods like any country and Colombia. And I was going to Medellin, the town of Pablo Escobar, right? And at some point Medellin was the most dangerous place on earth. And you would ask me, Anna, why the hell would you go there by yourself? A woman, you know? Um, and so I did my research and, uh, it, everybody said, okay, where to go, go to El Poblado live in El Poblado. This is the expat area. It's safe. So this is where I went. So that's what I would say, you know, do the research online, like where should I go and what places should I visit and things like that. And you'll, you'll start seeing patterns because everywhere I went to, 
um, I mean, online to research, for example, Medellin, because Colombia was like a different continent for me. You know, I was, I was kind of, oh my God, what's going to happen and everything. And everybody's, I started seeing trends, go to El Poblado, do this. Here's how you get an apartment, here, co-working space, here, cafes. That's what I did. So my advice is to go online and research, start seeing patterns and trends. And if more than two people say the same thing, just do that and see what happens. Well, absolutely. And just to kind of drill just a little bit deeper on the research, there is information available for virtually any type of traveler. And by by type of traveler, I mean, in your case, you are a single woman traveling alone. There's some safety or other concerns that might be unique to the single woman traveling alone. There's similar resources out there for families, for families traveling with small children, children with special needs. There's just the resources available to us here in 2018 are, it's really almost impossible to to fathom the level of detail that you can you can uh, research an upcoming trip and just take advantage of those resources because they're out there and being part of a travel community like-minded people so and I'm going to ask you about that because that's something that I'm also very passionate about when it comes to travel is just community are you part of a community whether online or in person of like-minded individuals yeah so before I answer this questionnaire one thing I wanted to add is that one of the most important things about safety and traveling, I think, is having insurance. And this is something that I have invested in uh, before I did anything else. Because once you have insurance, and I know actually Americans are very good with insurance. I think every, everywhere you go, there's like insurance companies and everything. But not everybody's like this, especially where I come from. Our mentality is better save money than spend on insurance, you know? Because like, whatever. What is the chance of anything happening? But that for me was was a great, great investment. And I think we're going to talk about it later. So to answer your question, absolutely. Community is everything. Community is everything when you travel, when you're online. You know, I've been, I've been working online and pretty much living online and traveling for more than three years now. And when I started, um, a digital nomad community was essential. Because not only I did not know how to travel, where to travel, what to do, but I also didn't know how to work online pretty much and how did anything about this crazy lifestyle. And so I, I joined a group. Um, it was on Slack. I think it was called like Digital Nomads, hashtag something. I joined that. That was very, very helpful. I met a lot of people through that and just went to these meetups, you know, got information, asked questions, very important. And then since then, I've been part of many communities of people who travel, work online, are location dependent, um, are entrepreneurs, uh, a lot of women, women entrepreneurs group also who travel. So yeah, absolutely. And today, you know, with Facebook, it's like, oh my God, you can find a group for any anything and anyone anywhere in the world. So that's so easy now. Yeah, I love that. And I certainly can't stress that enough out there in podcast land that if, if you're struggling, if there's a particular struggle in your life, whether it relates to travel or not, there is an online community out there of like-minded people who can support you on that journey. And my friend, if you can't find that community, you email me, Aaron at DramaticTravels.com, and we'll find that community together. So Anish, thanks for sharing that. And We've talked about digital nomad or your digital nomad lifestyle several times. Let's get into some specifics here for just a minute. Take me through a typical day or week in running a fully functioning, thriving business, essentially from your laptop where you can be anywhere on planet Earth with an internet connection. Tell us about that lifestyle. Well, Aaron, um, I'm, I'm on the way to make it a thriving 
but definitely I can share um, experiences from. So I've been I've been actually working remotely as a full time employee for two different companies online before I moved into working for myself, and I've already managed to prove the concept of what I'm doing, um, but I'm yet to become a thriving business owner, if that makes sense. Because for me, you know, you have a business and it's thriving where you're actually making as much money as you want every month that you're able to sustain yourself and it also is making profit. So I'm on my way there and I want to be honest about it. Um, But the day, well, my days are different now and have been for the last three months because of the pregnancy. You know, my first trimester was a bit crazy. But I'll tell you, um, how, and, and now I'm back into it. So normally how how it works is, you know, you will, I wake up around maybe around 8 a.m. or something like that. And then I have uh, an extensive morning routine that keeps me kind of sane, healthy, and productive. I don't check my phone. I don't check my emails in the morning. It's all on autopilot. And then I do a bit of um, uh, morning pages, which is journaling, like free flow journaling. I do a bit of meditation, uh, depending on my mood and spiritual um, inclination on the day. I pull out some tarot cards or whatever. And then I do stretching or yoga. And um, I think I'm ready to go after that. You know, I take a shower, have breakfast, and then I usually go to a co-working space unless I have calls like, you know, podcast recordings or a lot of meetings that day. But I I need to to be around people and work with people. Um, So I go to a co-working space, start my work there, uh, maybe go out for lunch somewhere or, uh, you know, I might bring lunch with me and then work some more and usually... Well, this was before I got pregnant. (laughs) Usually I had, um, you know, I was going to like Spanish class or yoga class or in the evening I also did salsa classes. Um, Or we in the evening, you know, we go for dinner with friends or whatever events are happening. So I'd say, yeah, that's kind of my day. It's it's not, you know, it's not very different from a normal person's day besides the fact that I just work online and other people just go to an office pretty much. And, you know, I kind of am my own um, boss in terms of scheduling my times and everything, which, which actually is harder, I think, than being an employee. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So given that you can and do work from these remote locations around the world. How do you build in time to experience the location you're in while you're working? <laughs> that is an excellent question, Aaron, because there's this, and I want to talk about this, which is very important. There's this, so the digital nomad movement has become super popular. Probably not, uh, probably your audience might not be very familiar with it because families are probably the least represented segment in the digital nomad movement because pretty much these are young people who want to experience the world, who have a lot of skills, who are like, you know what, I'm done. I'm just going to go travel and work online in this amazing remote locations on islands and Bali and Thailand, whatever. And so, you know, uh, basically what happens is you have this illusion that, okay, you're going to go and live in different places. And at one point I was changing countries every two, three weeks. That was insane. And so what happens is when you work on the road constantly, you're not only not really working because you're in a new place all the time or in a new country, but you're also not really traveling, if that makes sense. Because when you work, you know, you have a full-time job or 
you have a business. And that's the illusion the digital nomads have, especially the ones who want to be entrepreneurs, is that, oh, my God, I'm going to go to Thailand and I'm going to work from the beach. Nobody works from the beach. No serious entrepreneur works from the beach. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> you know, Interpre serious entrepreneurs just go to the beach and lie on the beach and relax before they get back to work. And so that is the illusion. You know, you're not working really. You're not very productive, but you're not also enjoying the, the the place where, where where you are and so that i mean that was my experience and for a lot of seasoned location band entrepreneurs they will tell you the same thing and so what happens is like i started craving like travel without work like i want to go somewhere that's what that's what the plan was with morocco i was so excited to go without a laptop so i left my laptop at home uh, you can't do that all the time, but I did. Uh, you know, my husband took it, but he was working like an hour a day. And that's it. And you go and explore, you know. We're like so caught up in our online work and whatever. We forgot, well, you know, people like me forgot what it is to just freaking travel. You know, you know what I mean? Like book a ticket, go somewhere, really explore the culture and rest because we're always working. We're always connected. We're always connected to our phones, Google Maps, TripAdvisor, whatever, Facebook. And it's just crazy. So I actually think that people with families who can take vacation, you know, or take time off, who, who don't have to work, this is amazing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like incredible. And so now me and my husband are in this space where we are planning vacation time. And when I say vacation time, it's proper vacation time, no work. Well done. And that's, it's, it's so interesting that you talk about that, just that needing a vacation from your location independent lifestyle. It, it just sheds a, a real light of humanity on it and, and kind of a real world view of something that there's, there's a very romantic view, like you said, of this sitting on the beach and doing work. But if you're going to run a business, especially in your case, like a growing business, you know, you're the idea that you're going to sit on the beach for a couple hours a day and then spend the rest of the day partying. It's, you might have a whole lot of fun, but you're not going to build much of a business that way. I think Tim Ferriss kind of ruined us with that cover of the four-hour work week with the palm trees. And if you've if you've read that book out there in podcast land. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. The idea is amazing. And actually, the whole concept is, is just incredible. Do you know? Like, I, I literally can work from anywhere in the world. That is the freedom that I have. That is what four-hour work week is about. You don't need to sit in an office in a cubicle you know, eight to nine hours a week, uh, a day, blah, blah, whatever. You know, you can work from anywhere. You can you can build your lifestyle. But that has an illusion to it. It has become, as you said, romanticized. And there's so many myths about it. They're not true. And people are realizing it. And, you know, after traveling for so long, I realized that I, like, I'm a human like anybody else. I need routine and I need structure. If I want to go and travel for a couple of months around Latin America, that's amazing. I can go party, whatever, whatever. But like, you know, having an online business is just like any other business. You just need the routine. You need structure. You need to be focused. You know, you can't go party every night, work from different cafes. Like it just doesn't work. Humans don't function like this. And so I think that right now more and more people are coming into this, but it's still new. You know, the movement is like so new and so for those who perhaps have jobs online it's a little bit different do you know what i mean because you you show up for a job but still i think if you want to be productive and you want to be an a star or an a player employee you got to set up your routines and working spaces and everything you know so that's that's really important 
Yeah, and you've emphasized routine several times throughout this interview, and they're clearly very important to you, and they're important to me as well. So my friends out there in podcast land, particularly that morning routine, Anna described in detail her morning routine, and that, whatever your morning routine is, it has this very, very real potential to make a large impact on your life, to really set up your days for success, to make that first, whether it's 30 minutes or hour of the day just for you and getting your mind right for the tasks at hand or the tasks ahead for the day. Very, very critical. Not enough people do it. Definitely look into improving the quality of your morning routine and see the magic that can happen in your life. So Anna, you're 16 weeks pregnant. You're going to have your first child in Australia later this year. What, what happens after that? You're going to maintain this, you know, the lifestyle and the business with the child in tow. T- tell us what's that, what's that going to look like? Oh God, I've been for the last couple of weeks, I've been really struggling with it. Um, not only because I'm an entrepreneur, but also because I'm a location dependent entrepreneur. And I think people are listening to this, especially the women who were pregnant and who gave birth to the child. It's like, oh my God, how am I going to, especially an entrepreneur, how is this all going to work out? It's just like traveling. It's like a journey. It's an unknown journey that is scary when you are a first time mom. And so for the last couple of weeks, I've been really researching and, and thinking about it and all of that. And so what I came to real, especially when the business is growing, you know, and at one point, me and my husband, we were thinking of maybe it's time to, to, to either close, like quit or pause. And I didn't want to pause <laughs> because I'm at a point in my, well, business journey where there's so much potential in what I'm doing and I'm seeing the result and I'm seeing the impact and I love what I do that I feel like pausing or quitting is actually not going to help me um, because I can't imagine doing anything else and I can't imagine doing nothing (laughs) or not doing this, you know, like this is my thing. And so Briefly, the plan is for the last for the next three weeks because I'm in my second trimester, and you know this is the best time I'll ever have. Um, for the next three months, sorry, I I'm planning a full-on launch of my coaching practices and everything, and I have a revenue goal um, that I want to achieve so that it could sustain me and the business for basically. Uh, up until the time when I'm back to work. So I'm planning to take, you know, my nine months off and then two more months and then get back at it in in March. Um, So that's in terms of the business. In terms of the lifestyle, I honestly don't know. Um, I'm having very high hopes and I know I just trust that everything is going to be fine. You know, I'm going to find a way not only to be a a mom. I don't want to say a great mom because I don't even know you know, there's this whole motherhood thing that like so many women struggle with. Oh my God, I need to be a great mom, but also be a location independent, an entrepreneur, but also location independent entrepreneur. And as I mentioned before, you know, once the baby grows and it starts walking and everything, I think we're going to hit the road again. I think we're going to be so tired of being in one place that we're either going to travel with, with a kid for vacation or actually move. And well, the plan for my husband loves Mexico. So I think, um, the plan would be to go to Mexico for a couple of months, but we'll see. You never know. You know, I might change my mind tomorrow. Hormones can, um, you know, make <laughs> me change my mind because you never know. Uh, so, so, yeah, there's no guarantees. 
Well, you do never know. And I certainly hope and I certainly believe that you're going to be able to accomplish all those things you just described, including uh, resuming that location independent lifestyle as a mother. And I think that's just a very, there's a very key takeaway from there is that you can continue that adventurous, an adventure seeking lifestyle as a parent with your children. And I think that is a major limiting belief that I'm trying to help people overcome through this podcast is that you can continue to travel. Your life doesn't end or you're not suddenly shackled to your home just because you have children. There are ways to explore this world with your children. And in many ways, if not in all ways, that is a better lifestyle, a better way to to raise your kids, to get them out there, showing them the world, giving them those transformational experiences. Absolutely, Aaron. And I, I just want to add that I think this is so transformational for the kids as well, because they get out of, they see us, well, I'm going to say us because I'm a future parent. They see us as parents traveling, doing things, exploring the world, um, widening our horizons, getting out of the comfort zone, figuring out things, exploring cultures. And that I just can't wait for, for our kids to experience it. Like, I just can't imagine, I, I can't even explain the transformation that happened in me. I was a child again, but I was a teenager and then actually an adult or a teenager when I saw things for the first time that I saw them in magazines. Do you know what I mean? Like I saw islands in pictures in magazines and I saw people diving and I saw people surfing. I've never, I've never seen a person surfing in my life until I was like 26 or something. Do you know what I mean? And so for me, this like completely changed my, my, my world. And so if we expose children to this, they become so much more well-rounded adults who get along with people better, who understand human nature more, who are just exposed to so many different ways of doing things, you know, who are not sitting there in like, because a lot of the limiting beliefs in children come from living in one culture becoming learning the stereotypes not only from what society tells us but also from the parents right because if the parents live this lifestyle that's the same and everything parents develop their limiting beliefs or stereotypes from their parents and so it never changes and so i think this is just so crucial for people for for children to start early and 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 at the end of the day you're just living a much better quality and, and a life with more experiences because I think that's that's the point you know I've come to the realization that the point is not the money you make or the house you have or like this crazy notion of success that we all got completely wrong and you know this is my work with women but it's the it's experiencing life to its fullest whatever that means and for me these are the moments where I Im- you know, dive underwater 25 meters and I see the underwater life. And when my husband is surfing and when we see these different cultures that I, like when my mind just is like, oh my God, I never thought this was possible. How do people live like, or you know what I mean? And so that's, I think that is the richness of life. And if you, we can give this to our children through our own lived experience, like this is, this is everything for me. 
Amen, sister. I love it. And that's what we're all about here on Dramatic Travels Family. Dramatic Travels Family, we have been talking to Ana Rova all the way from Spain today. You can learn more about Ana at girlskill.com. Check her out on Instagram at girlskillofficial, Facebook, girlskillofficial. And if you want to read some of Anna's written work, you can check it out at medium.com slash at Anna Rova. And of course, we're going to have all this linked up in the show notes. Just head to dramatictravels.com slash 25. You're going to link up to everything that we talked about today with Anna. Anna, before we say goodbye, please share with us your biggest travel dream that hasn't come true yet. <laughs> so there are there are three places I want to go. I, my first one is um, an African safari. The only place I've been in Africa is Morocco, as I said, and this was a disappointing experience. So I can't wait to actually go deep in Africa and experience a safari there. And I want to go to Japan. And then the scariest place of all, well, actually not the scariest place, but getting there is the scariest place of all because you go through Drake Passage and that is going from Latin America uh, to Antarctica. So these are my top three. So I want you to make me a promise. I want you to check back in when you get there. So uh, we know that you're checking those dreams off the bucket list. I will. I will, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And actually, you know, we're going to check back with you again. Let's call it a year after the baby comes and you're picking that, uh, that nomadic lifestyle back up. We want to know what you're up to because this is a fascinating conversation. We'd love to follow up with you. Done. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, Anna. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron. Yes, indeed, my friend. That is going to do it for this episode number 25 of Dramatic Travels Family. Of course, all the notes from this episode are going to be available over at DramaticTravels.com slash 25. All right, my friend, have a great week. We'll talk again soon. And remember, your emotional memories are your most powerful memories. So please put some emotion in your motion. <laughs>